Welcome to The Well Woman Show. Each episode is a transformational journey using mindfulness, feminism, leadership, and strategy to support you to thrive personally, generate wealth, and impact your community. Our mothers and grandmothers in their 40s and 50s, they often were not working stressful full-time jobs while raising young children and going through perimenopause, like all simultaneously. That is a new level of scheduling. (laughs) And now, here's your host, feminist thought leader, London School of Economics grad, leadership consultant and transformational coach Giovanna Rossi. On the Well Woman Show this week, I talked to Ada Calhoun, whose new book, Why We Can't Sleep, Women's New Midlife Crisis, really digs into the Generation X women and our particular set of challenges. She's also the author of the memoir, Wedding Toasts I'll Never Give, named one of the top 10 memoirs of 2017 by W Magazine. And she writes for the New York Times and the New Republic. And I just want to say that it's very timely that this is our 200th episode. That's amazing. So a little bit of celebrating going on over here. Uh, Episode 200. And it's also my birthday week. Hello. Um, I'm a Gen X woman myself. You know, Gen Xers are defined as being born between 1965 and 1980. And they're likely to be raising small children in their 40s or dealing with infertility issues. Uh, Does that describe you? I know it describes a lot of people that I know, and I certainly um, am raising small children in my 40s. Um, We're also caring for aging relatives, and we're really trying to create a better life and better opportunities for our kids than we had. So lots of good info to dig into with Ada Calhoun on the show today. And what we talk about is um, how Generation X women were told we could do anything, but didn't actually have the resources. Um, Why the current generation of women facing midlife have such strong anxiety and why society perpetuates the idea that all women need to do to get ahead is to try harder. If this is all sounding familiar to you, or you have women in your life for whom this is a reality, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash quiz to answer two questions that will help you identify your challenges and find some solutions. All the information shared today can be found at the show notes at wellwomanlife.com slash 200 show. You can head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to continue the conversation with us in our community group. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico and High Desert Yoga in Albuquerque. I'm speaking with Ada Calhoun. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Ada, I want to start um, by having you tell listeners, who are you in the world today? I wrote a book called um, Why We Can't Sleep, Women's New Midlife Crisis about um, middle-aged women, Gen X women um, having kind of a hard time right now. Yes. And we'll totally get into the book, but I kind of wanted to step uh, back from that for just a minute and hear a little bit more about you as a person. But I, I do, I would love for you to just talk a little bit about who you are in the world besides the author of this amazing book that we're, we will get into. I have, um, I'm uh, married, so I have um, my husband, I've moved in together 20 years, and I'm the mother of a 13-year-old and stepmother of a 26-year-old and the daughter of 
two aging parents, one of whom has lung cancer. And I also try to do a lot of like community stuff. So I do some teaching and I run a women's nonfiction journalism series with two author friends of mine. And yeah, I have a lot of of nice friends who I'm missing quite a bit at the moment. I have walled off inside my house. Yes, right. Like many of us. Ada, what are you working on? You, you said you have just written this book. What are you what? How are you? How are you using this to sort of impact women's lives? Like what do you hope is the result of this of writing this book? So it, it came out of a, a story I wrote for Oprah.com called The New Midlife Crisis. And what I did was try to figure out how women of this age were coping with what seems to be a sort of a different experience of middle age um, than, than our mothers and grandmothers had. I've been getting these messages like since the story came out, so for a couple of years from women who read one or the other saying that they felt like seen or stood or that they felt like there was a name attached to what they were experiencing and that it felt kind of good to know that they weren't alone. Yes. And isn't that sort of the goal of, of any writing, right? Is to, is to sort of connect with people and tell your story, but in the meantime, tell other people's story as well. Yeah, there's no greater gift than to hear that from from readers. And I feel like, um, yeah, I'm really lucky. I mean, that's why I read also is to feel less alone myself. And I feel like writing the book helped me so much, just hearing other women's stories and feeling connected to them. Um, made made my experience of middle age so much easier. So the Well Woman community is a community of, of women of all ages, but particularly uh, a lot of high achieving, driven women who are quote unquote, doing it all or trying to do it all. <laughs> and, um, and a lot of the community really is in their 40s and 50s and 30s. Um, and so we, we talk about a lot of the issues that you wrote about. And one of the things that came up uh, for me while reading the book was this idea that there's just so much fear and anxiety <laughs> about about everything, right? All the point, like almost all the points you make in the book are, you know, the root cause is like this, this deep fear and anxiety. Yeah, it's something I heard over and over again, um, from women I was interviewing and something that I am not unfamiliar with in my my own brain. And, and I think a lot of it, you know, I argue comes from how we grew up and the trajectory we've had as a generation. So like most of the women who are middle aged now are Gen X. 40% of us are children of divorce. And the crime rate was extremely high when we were kids. We grew up with this fear of nuclear annihilation. Like so many women I talked to like had just this series of traumas as young people. And then we've kind of hit one crisis after another the recessions hit us at the exact wrong moments in our careers. And just when we bought a house, the housing market collapsed. And so I, I think the anxiety is deep and and it's very powerful. And I think it even and maybe especially if you're trying to do a ton of stuff, it can really uh, affect you and, and kind of eat away at you from the inside. Yes. And I, I think that there are a lot of services and people out there trying to help, <laughs> help these women, right? Help us. And, but I, I feel like a lot of the solutions are very individual based. You can control the, you know, outcome of your life. And while I believe some of that is true, like we can, there are definitely things we can do. I also think there are these systems issues, like, like really entrenched systemic problems <laughs> that, um, that have contributed to the fear and anxiety of women in this age group. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, 
you know, first of all, there's just the amount that that we're trying to do. And and I think it just doesn't get said enough, like uh, our mothers and grandmothers in their 40s and 50s, they often were not working stressful full time jobs while raising young children and going through perimenopause, like all simultaneously. That is a new level of scheduling <laughs> that um, that is is pretty intense. And especially given that a lot of women of this generation are breadwinners at the same time. So um, so we, we don't have tons more support, but we do have tons more responsibility. And, and I think that also the job, the job world has changed in a way that there's not a lot of stability. You don't have the same job for 30, 40 years, the way maybe our fathers and grandfathers did. You have to move around and constantly reinvent yourself over and over again. Um, it's very hard to find something with benefits, um, that's, that's really going to it's going to be sustained for a long period of time. So I think there's a, there's a legitimate fear there. Uh, and there's, I think the anxiety, unfortunately it comes from a real place and, you know, and given the ageism and sexism in the workplace, you know, I know so many women in their fifties, especially who have had a lot of trouble getting back into the workforce if they took time off to care for other people. Um, or if that got laid off. I mean, it's, it's, it's scary out there. Okay, so you mentioned ageism and sexism. And I just want to pick up on that, because I think a lot of the isms, racism included, contribute to to this. Can you talk about how that might be happening? And what some of the solutions are for addressing that? Um, well, you know, again, it's like, it, it winds up often falling on women's shoulders to, to take care of it. And that is one thing, like you mentioned, the solutions that we are given, they so often are things, things like lean in, um, or, or self-help programs that, that focus on the things that we're supposed to be doing in order to combat, um, the isms and to get ahead. And, you know, like, I think that it's, it's not maybe up to us a lot of what's going to happen. I think that employers, the, the, whole system of the, the workplace. Um, these are huge changes that need to happen for life to get easier for women in this demographic. So, so it's, and, and you know, and there are all these studies too, right. That say that the things like lean in perpetuate this idea that it's under our control and that, you know, so if you haven't gotten ahead, you know, have you tried leading in what's wrong with you if, if you're still struggling? Um, and, and I think that that doesn't acknowledge just how damage the system is. There's a real role for systems and and groups and organizations outside of the individual woman here in terms of the solution. And uh, certainly workplaces is one. And I do think that the the global health crisis that is happening in 2020 is going, we are going to see some (laughs) major changes. And we're already seeing some with with so many hundreds and thousands of people you know, flocking from the offices to their homes and trying to recreate the workday from their kitchen table or living room. And so we're we're seeing some shifts. How do you think, what is the responsibility of employers and, and business owners right now? Um, well, it's, you know, it's, we're in such an early stage of all this. It's so hard to know what's going to happen even tomorrow. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I really, I, I wish I did. Uh, you know, I do see tons of people being laid off, you know, a lot of my friends and, um, it's just an incredibly scary time with not a really clear, clear end game. I, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I've been freelance for a long time and, and that too, I think, I mean, uh, is, 
is kind of up in the air. Like, do people still need freelance articles? Do people, you know, what kind of books do people need? Like there is this, this just sense of real uncertainty. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of unknowns. And um, I think that there, there need that we all, you know, need to have a lot of flexibility right now and adaptability. And just try to let go of the the way we always have known things to be. And so I, I guess where I'm going with this is a lot of things that I've been working on in my career and the things that you're writing about and others, I think we're going to see some of those shifts as a result of this global health crisis. We can see that as an opportunity, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it might be that this idea of flex time and, um, and benefits and all these things become, become normalized or, you know, we see the benefit of them in all this. Yeah. Again, who knows? It's such a, such a strange time. It's really funny. One thing that came up in the book is this idea of ambiguous loss, like that a lot of women who wanted families who were single, who, who hoped, who hoped to meet someone that there was something about not knowing whether they would, ever find someone like they could find somebody tomorrow or never um, that that this one expert told me was like the most most upsetting um, state to be in like you can mourn if you know something's over and I think we're all in this ambiguous loss state right now because we don't we don't know anything um, and it's it, it's worse in a way than than having you know, a crisis happen, and then you move on. Yeah. And did you find in general that that the women you talked to um, really needed to be able to control the outcomes? Because I think that's, that's definitely a character trait of a lot of high achieving women. I'm not sure if it's a trait for the Gen X women's generation in general. But I know a lot of us are really um, attached to outcomes and controlling outcomes. And right now, especially in what we're going through in the world, we we really do need to detach a little bit and uh, not be so attached to, to how things are going to turn out and to controlling things. That is something that I, I heard again and again. I think it is a very Gen X thing, especially for women. Um, you know, having had these chaotic childhoods, a lot of us sought refuge in being able to control things like our grades. This is a very um, it's a very type A group of women as a role. And, um, you know, a lot of us worked from the time we were very young. I mean, I know I had my first job at 13, um, and, and tried really hard to get straight A's and work and make our own money. And, um, and, and I think if you, if you do that and you are trying to do so many things all at once, um, when you have something like this happen and you don't have any control, I think it can really feed that anxiety quite a bit. I, you know, my social media feeds, I can tell you, um, all the ones that are, that are kind of heavy on the, this demographic, they are filled with schedules. Like they are people taking pictures of their color coded schedules for their household under lockdown. And it's, um, it's, it's a, it's a wonder, it's a wonder of, of PowerPoint and, um, <laughs> and dry erase marker. Yeah, I know. I just recorded a podcast a couple of days ago. And it's it's all about, you know, kind of letting go letting those, those things go lowering the bar a little bit on all of these expectations we have of ourselves. Um, so I want to pick up on something you just mentioned, which is this idea that we had these chaotic childhoods and um, sort of buried ourselves in uh, doing really well in school. And that's that definitely uh I definitely relate to that in as a, um, that, that was my own experience. 
and trying to, um, you know, just like that, that was the, my safe place. That was a great, comfortable place. I could really excel in school and, and in career. And so I think that, that, that has created a generation of workaholics. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. So that's, I know that's partly what you address here. So what can we tell women who have found themselves in this driven, you know, it's like, I don't want to tell women to not be driven. Like, of course, we want to accomplish things. But there, at some point, there needs to be some adjustment and some balance. So so one thing that many of the hundreds of women that I talked to for the book told me was that growing up, they were told they could do anything they could, you know, be any you can be anything you want, even president, there was this constant drumbeat of like, look at all the opportunities you have, and that somewhere along the line that translated into like, I could do anything. So that means I have to do everything. And I think that this, I, and also I have to judge myself on everything. So a lot of women um, told me that they felt like they had to be perfect as mothers, as partners, as bosses or employees. And, and like on all these other fronts too, like their house had to look great. They had to be in shape. They, you know, they had to be able to cook. Like, I mean, it was just this, this long, long list of, of obligations to perfection. Um, and, and I think that it, it, it is time to say like, no one, no one can, I mean, not the whole, the whole having it all thing. It's like, what is, what is it all? Like, what is the it? Um, and like, you have to pick a couple of things. Like you can't, you're not going to get like a hundred percent on every single one of those areas. Like you're going to have to pick one or two and what are they going to be? And it, you can be very ambitious within those, whether it's work or home or anything, but, but thinking you're going to ace everything, it's just, it's not without some deep costs to your, your sleep for sure. Or your, your spiritual energy. Yeah. And actually in the, on the well woman, show we talk about a lot of the, you know, all these issues quite a bit. And one of the things that I hear from the community is this idea that we're overworked, we're, we're, you know, really ambitious and we're trying to do everything. And, um, it, what it ends up doing is it, first of all, we do have sleep problems. Like you point out, we also have, we also have major health problems. Like we crash, you know, it's like we go into burnout and then it, we have a major crisis, either some sort of health issue or some breakdown basically. And, uh, and so what I'm trying to do in the well woman life community is really support women with solutions for like, how do we prevent that crisis before it happens? Like, how can we, you know, what, what, what things can we put in place, um, both on an individual level and on the systems level, right? Like working in on workplace changes and, and policy changes so that we, um, so that we don't have to have that breakdown or that health crisis in order to wake up and be like, Oh, I need to change a few things. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And I also think like, one thing that prevents that from happening is what I heard over and over again in these interviews, which is um, women telling me, I'm so lucky. I have no right to complain. They would they would almost all open a conversation with that before they told me these really horrible stories about how hard their lives were. Um, and, and I think that it comes from the outside where I think there is this pressure on women to be quiet. Um, and then I think that comes from inside too, on the sense that we're supposed to be practicing gratitude all the time. And that what gratitude means is, you know, just appreciating what you have and not asking for more and not complaining. Um, and I do think we need, I think we need to complain. I think we need to say, 
this is not fair. This is really difficult. Um, and, and we need more support and whether that comes from other people in the family or from people in the community or, you know, in-laws babysitting or bosses, you know, not firing you for taking a day off to take care of an aging parent or whatever it is. I think, um, I think we need to ask for it. Yeah, we definitely do. Um, that is a good message to ask for what you need. And we do emphasize that here on the show. I'm talking to Ada Calhoun, author of Why We Can't Sleep, Women's New Midlife Crisis. And we'll be right back with the segment called Superpowers for Success. I'm so thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico, a monthly green, healthy lifestyle publication, and for support from High Desert Yoga, promoting optimum physical health, clarity of mind, and spiritual inspiration for all. Many of you have followed my journey from consulting to women's leadership and empowerment, starting a nonprofit, raising two kids, and everything in between. I've really taken some time this year to focus in on where I can help the most women with their own desire to create social impact and also a good income for themselves and their families. As my consulting and coaching practice is growing, I found that one of my favorite things to do is the free discovery sessions. I love hearing about people's passions for the work they do, sharing what I do, and helping people understand what my hybrid consulting coaching is all about. Hint, hint, serious strategy plus spacious mindset. So if you find yourself worrying about whether you'll ever make it in the thing you're pursuing or waking up in the middle of the night anxious about money, lacking energy you need to get everything done or procrastinating on moving forward with projects and tasks, or even if you're in a leadership role, but you're second guessing yourself and not getting things done, I'd love to talk to you. These conversations help me get clear on how I can help more leaders create the impact and income they want so they can start living with ease and joy. Plus, you'll get a free hour with me to get crystal clear on what you want to create for your company or organization and your life and what's been holding you back. So if you're interested, you can book a call at wellwomanlife.com slash learn more. I'm back with Ada Calhoun on the Well Woman Show, and we're going into this segment called Superpowers for Success. Ada, I want to ask you a few quick questions. The first one is, what does success in life mean for you? Uh, well, for me, it's I, I feel like I've only just gotten to it like very recently, and it means hearing from people that I help them in some way. That's kind of a new experience for me, and um, and getting those messages has been really life affirming for me. Okay. And when did you know you were really good at what you do? Like as a writer, I guess we could take that example. And and you you've been a writer for a long time. When did you know you were really good at, at what you do? I think in like middle school, I was the editor of my school paper. And I, I wrote like these very impassioned op eds. And I, you know, I think it was, it was back then I felt like it, when I was writing, things seemed to make a lot more sense than the rest of the time. Was that because of the external, like, validation that you received? Or was it an internal knowing, like, I, I just, this is like my happy place? I think I knew. I think I knew because it was the way that, I mean, that it was like in journals and in things for the paper, it was the way that I made sense of life and the way that I kind of wrote my way out of, of confusion. Ada, can you describe a personal habit that contributes to your own well-being so that you can do everything that you do? I make lists um, pretty compulsively. 
I, I will make a list on any piece of paper that it comes within like a foot of me. <laughs> okay. But then do you, can you keep track of all that or does it get disorganized? Oh no, I'm organized. I do. I do a lot of a very detailed list making. I remake my list pretty much, you know, every day, at least once or twice. Um, there are different kinds of lists, different, different terms of time. Um, I have them on my computer and on my, in my notebooks and on my phone and everywhere. So yes. And there's a there's a go go song. I'm the girl of a thousand lists. And I relate to that very intensely. Okay, I love that. So wait, I just need to ask you, um, when you're making all these lists on paper on your computer on your phone, how do you then integrate them all so that you can so that they all are cohesive? I'm so glad you asked. I take all the lists periodically and then I merge them into a, a giant list. And then um, and then that list evolves. And then there's other ones. And it's a constant struggle. And then is this like for a book, perhaps like for a project, like different lists for different? Yeah, there's like the list of like assignments. I mean, I have lists for everything. It's like I've got a list of movies that now we are going to watch in quarantine. Um, there's about 30 movies on the list, you know, and then I have like a list of of chores to get done while we're and then and then I have like a list of all the research I need to do for my next project and um, all that I have lists for all the things yeah so like topic based lists I like that okay um, do you do anything else for your well-being besides that kind of thing like uh, are you a meditator yoga exercise like what what do you do that helps you physically like and emotionally stay well um, well, I used to go to Pilates class and I really like that a lot. Um, but what I found is that often self-care makes me feel lonely. Like uh, there's something about it, like being, getting a manicure, getting my hair done or whatever that feels like I'm all by myself. And, and I've learned that I actually need company. So I started a women's journalist like bar night once a month. And that has been the most nourishing thing that I've been doing that for two years. Yeah. Community always tends to come up within when I interview people because of, of that, you know, needing, needing that connection. And I will say just on the, uh, the note of self-care, because we hear that so much nowadays. Um, I actually don't really believe in self-care in the way that it's traditionally taught, like, oh, go, you know, schedule a manicure, go get a massage. Like, that's all fine. But what I'm asking women to do is to ask for what they need on a daily basis. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely, I started to think whenever people were like, oh, you just need to take an hour, you know, and go by yourself. I'm like, an hour is not going to do anything. Like, <laughs> um, and also, I sort of felt like people were telling me that I should look less tired. Like, everything seemed to be involved like serums or whatever. And I was like, I just am really tired. I'm going to look tired because that's what's going on right now. Yeah, exactly. And this whole business of like, let me take those lines away from your face. Like, no, no, I, I want my lines. Like, <laughs> I I earned these lines. Like, And also, you know, speaking of systems and isms, I think by pressuring women to look a certain way and to not look like they're aging is has a, a really detrimental impact on us. Yeah, I think so too. And also, you know, I, I got annoyed at somebody in this co-working space and I just kind of like frowned at him and I, and then he like scurried. He was like trying, he was talking on his phone loudly, like right in the, in the quiet zone. Anyway, so he like ran away and I was thinking about it. I was like, if I had had like Botox or anything like that, I wonder if I would have been able to convey my deep annoyance you know, successfully, <laughs> or if he would have looked over and I was perfectly happy. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Um, what superpower did you discover you had Ada only to realize it was there all the time? Uh, I, 
got good at structuring books, I think, in the last few years. I've been ghostwriting for like the last um, 10 years. I've done 14 books for other people. And in doing that, I think I, I figured out it's kind of like a crossword puzzle. You know, I used to be good at crossword puzzles. And and I, I think the, the book structure has a similar, it's a similar skill. Yeah, yeah, it's a puzzle. It's definitely a puzzle. I'm working on a book right now. And it's, it's a puzzle for sure. Um, okay, what's, uh, what advice would you give your younger self, say 25 years old? Uh, I guess I would say to worry less. Um, I don't know that I would have taken that advice. But that's I wish I wish I'd worried less. Do you identify as a feminist? Yeah. And what does that mean for you? Um, you know, I think it's just about equality. And, um, you know, I think it's I think it's a broad a broad statement of thinking that that women have not been treated as equal for a long time um, and should be. I, you know, I think it's as simple as that. Okay. And last question. What are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? Oh, gosh. I have five million books on my nightstand. Um, there's a Simo May book and... Um, I've got what I've got Janet Malcolm's The Silent Woman, The Fleabag script, um, Robert McKee's story. I, I don't know. I got a lot of stuff. <laughs> okay, let's just recommend one then for for people. Um, Janet Malcolm. What was that one? Uh, the Silent Woman. I haven't started it yet. I, or I just read a couple pages, so I don't know if I can recommend it yet. It doesn't need to be a recommendation. We'll just put it on the list as. Uh, something interesting that our guest is reading. Oh, and I'm reading the Busy Phillips memoir, which I'm enjoying very much. That's a very Gen X book. Okay, that's a good one. We'll put that on there too. Well, Ada Calhoun, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your well woman life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join our community. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week. So be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for The Well Woman Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.